Missed you guys. I was not here last week. Uh, thanks to Cherie Brock for coming in. I heard uh, she took good care of you. Cherie is the newly appointed assistant pastor at Hope Vineyard in Hillsborough. So it was a pleasure to have her here. And I was in Mexico with our vineyard pastors and leaders there. We have 42 vineyard churches in Mexico. And it was pretty exciting to be with all the leaders and uh, pastors and kind of get caught up in what God's doing there. This morning we are, um, oh man, I'm having issues. Brogan's not here, so I don't get my normal microphone. There we go. Uh, we've been in the Gospel of Luke for a few weeks, moving very slowly, because I was kind of trying to uh, stall until we got up to where we are now, and now we're going to kind of move into the... Uh, the Christmas narrative over the next month as we celebrate Advent and Christmas. Um, I want to just start with the text this morning. We're towards the end of chapter 1, so if you want to go ahead and put the text up. It says, uh, this is beginning in verse 26 of chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And then there's a uh, short conversation between Mary and the angel as to how that's all going to happen. And then she responds in verse 38 and says this, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Uh, So our title today, if you want to go ahead and go to the next slide, is just a nobody from nowhere representing somebody from everywhere. And uh, let's pray, and then we will kind of get into this today. Father, thanks so much for your goodness and for uh, just the opportunity this time of year, this season, to celebrate uh, and to really reflect on who Jesus is and what he means to us. Thank you for the word this morning. That's Christ in us. And so we we just pray that your word would uh, penetrate our hearts this morning, that you would speak to us, and that you would bring uh, encouragement into our hearts today. In your name we pray. Amen. Quick recap, Uh, we said in the beginning that Luke was a a narrative, it's a narration. Luke is telling us the story of the events surrounding the the birth and the life, the death, resurrection, crucifixion of Jesus, and I would say this, you know, we're still very early on, it's a long book, we're just at the very beginning, but it's a supernatural narrative. There's been a lot of supernatural events, it began just kind of, you know, at the get-go there with the appearance of the angel Gabriel. Uh, to Zechariah, and then a supernatural birth. And now we have a second appearance of the angel Gabriel uh, with the announcement of yet another supernatural birth. Uh, so it's, it's filled with the supernatural presence of God. And I think that's something we'll see throughout the book and something I think that we can be mindful of as we pursue God in our own lives. Uh, this event takes place in the city of Nazareth. Uh, Galilee is kind of the uh, region, or the I guess county would be our sort of equivalent, and uh, Nazareth is a is a city in in Galilee. 
Early Bible scholars thought that possibly the gospel writers had made up the name Nazareth because it's such a small town it wasn't even on the map. It really is just kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, later, they found uh, other archaeological discoveries and whatnot, and they uncovered a place like, oh, Nazareth really was a place. But the point is, it was kind of just a very, very, uh, you know, a dot on the map, a small town, really out of the way, uh, not much happening there. Uh, Mary, the angel says, will give uh, birth to the Messiah, and he'll be the descendant of David. Joseph, while not Jesus' biological father, is his legal father. And so as a descendant of David, that part of that prophetic word uh, will be fulfilled. They were pledged to be married. Pledged is um, similar to our engagement, but a, a little different in that it was actually legally binding. So today, when you get married, you get a marriage license. And if you were to get divorced, that's a legal process. But if, if any of those things happen during the engagement period, that's not the case. But to be pledged, it was. It was a legally binding contract. It was actually part of the marriage process. What would have happened? It was a one- to two-year period. And during that time, the, uh, the man would ask the father and the family for the, the hand of the daughter. And then he would uh, go away and build a house and get all the preparations ready to, to have a family. And then he would come back and they would be married and then they would, they would go and uh, begin their life together. The uh, average age of someone who was pledged to be married was about 12 to 13 years old. And then they would get married at 13 to 14 years old. That sounds young to us, but that was the norm uh, at, at that time. A little, little side note here, just for the sake of whatever. But Mary, or Miriam, was the most common name for a girl in first century Judaism. So all of that to say this, that there was nothing really special about Mary. She was a teenage girl from probably a lower middle class family in a very small town, uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere, and she had even a common name. There was nothing really special about her. And then the angel Gabriel shows up, and if you can go to verse 28, he says, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Um, Gabriel, as we mentioned earlier, was, is considered to be an archangel. So he's, he's a big angel. He's a heavy hitter. He's sort of, uh, I would say, like the LeBron James of angeldom. You know what I mean? He's at the top of the angel ladder, and uh, Mary was troubled. So I think it's troubling, first of all, that Gabriel shows up, period. Uh, th- that could be a little bit frightening. Second of all, it's got to be a little troubling, you know, this message, highly favorable. What, what does this mean? And he tells her, don't be afraid. He tells her that the, the, the child she will give birth to will be the Messiah. He's a descendant of David, and all those things made sense There was context for that because that process had been uh, prophesied throughout the Old Testament. The people of Israel were looking for this Messiah to come. But the the big news would be you're involved in the process. That that would have been the the game changer there. And again, they they have this brief discussion on kind of how is this going to work. And Mary's really asking just sort of informationally. And then if you go to the next slide in verse 38, she responds. And she says, I'm the Lord's servant. 
May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left. Let's take a, take a little time out here for a second. Uh, probably many of us have had at some point in our life, maybe God ask you to do something. Sometimes God will speak to us and ask us to do something. And sometimes God will ask us to do something that maybe uh, push us a little out of our comfort zone. Amen? He might want you to do something that will stretch your faith a little bit. Sometimes he might say, hey, I want you to go pray for that person. You know, and you think, me? I, I, you know, can, I think you know, they're, she's a better prayer than me. Why can't, no, you, you go. Or I, I want you to share your faith with that coworker of yours. Oh, I don't. That coworker is really not a very nice person. I know they need me, and that's why I want you to go share your faith with them. I want you to give this amount of money to this person or this cause or this. Well, that's a lot of money. I know it's a lot of money, but trust me, I want you to. Do this. And God will push us outside of our comfort zone a little bit. And my question to us today is kind of: How do we respond when God does that? What do we say? I have found myself at times saying, uh, are you sure? Um, let me pray about that. I'm seeking confirmation. Uh, sometimes we will look for reasons, excuses, something to get us out of doing that thing that God asks us to do that might be a little hard. Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Let's talk about faith for a minute, or really faithfulness. Faithfulness is really just responding in faith. It's a response to God in faith. I think Mary should be an inspiration to all of us. And here's, here's I know what's happened. The, in the Catholic Church, the veneration of Mary has caused many of us in the Protestant Church to sort of react and kind of dis- disconnect from Mary. We have a little bit of a disconnect from Mary sometimes. And while we, in our tradition here, certainly don't worship Mary, we don't pray to Mary, I do think we could absolutely look to Mary as an example of faith. And as a person who lived her life unto the Lord, uh, no questions asked, so to speak. When God spoke to her and asked her to do something that stretched her faith, she says, be it unto me. I, I, I think in, in the realm of faith, that separates you know, the men from the boys, as they say. That's the right answer. I can, I can honestly say this. I don't think God has ever asked any of us to do anything quite like what he asked Mary to do. Guaranteed. Um, said a minute ago, this is a supernatural narrative. This is by far the most supernatural thing to happen yet. So we have angels appearing. Uh, You know, that's a miracle. Uh, We have Zechariah and Elizabeth have a a child, and they were too old to have a child, and that's kind of a miracle. And uh, now, though, this this is kind of, uh, you know, above and beyond. The angel uh, appeared to Zechariah. It's the same angel that appeared to Zechariah, appeared to Mary. And you think about Zechariah, you go, okay, he's a priest, and he's in the temple. It's kind of his job, right? That's his job. He's supposed to connect with God. That's the whole thing. So when an angel appears to him in the temple, you go, that's cool and special, but, 
you know, it's not that out of the norm. Why Mary? Have you ever wondered? What about Mary made God decide to choose her? She has really no credentials to speak of. Mary, um, you know, sometimes in different passages it'll say, you know, there was, in all the land there was no one as righteous as Mary or something like that. But it doesn't say anything like that. It just says she was pledged to be married. She lived in this small town. That's all we know. And yet God chose her. The angel Gabriel shows up at the pivotal point in really human history. This is, this is the, the most important moment in, in the history of the world and the history of mankind. And he shows up with this profound message and he brings it to a girl, uh, a teenage girl that lives in a small town and is from an average family and doesn't really have anything significant or special or unique going on in her life at all. And the only thing I think Mary has going for her, really, is she doesn't have the good sense to say, find somebody else. She, she just says, I'll, I'll do what you say. I mean, think about it. God appeared to Moses and called Moses, and what did Moses say? Remember? Well, I don't, I, you know, I don't talk so well. Maybe you could find somebody else. God called Jeremiah. Do you remember what Jeremiah said? Oh, no, I'm too young. There's got to be somebody else you can find. I think of um, the potential disqualifiers for people today in our culture. So somebody being female, is that a disqualifier? In some circles it might be. Somebody being poor, is that a disqualifier? Probably it is in, in many cases. Somebody uh, being uneducated, yeah, that will very likely disqualify you. Somebody too young, maybe. Um, There's a lot of people out there. There's smart people, rich people. There's spiritual people, and God chooses her. We divide people up, and we make these categories, and we sort of disqualify people, and we talk about the glass ceiling and all these things. And God comes to this person. I was thinking this week about this. Uh, I'm embarrassed mercy a little bit, but um, it's my job. Last year when Tucker and Zoe got married, they were gone, which, I don't know, I guess they needed to go away. Uh, But that weekend, Stephen was gone too. And so Mercy had co-led a couple times with some of the other leaders, but never led by herself before. And because everybody was gone, she had to lead the set that day. So she led the worship. That morning, and I, it was awesome. And I remember sitting in the front row here, bawling my eyes out. Partly because worship was just so good, partly because I was so stinking proud of her. But the reason I bring that up is to say this. A couple weeks later, I was at a vineyard area pastor's meeting. And another vineyard pastor of a vineyard church in our community, uh, I, tell, I, I shared that, and he says to me, how do you do that? And I said, how do you do what? And he goes, how do you let a 17-year-old lead worship? And I was like, does not compute. I, I don't understand the question. And finally I just said, I don't know, how do you not? 
But it was, it was I mean, again, this is a, a guy, but it's outside his context, I think, that somebody that young could lead worship. And I just think God breaks down those distinctions. He doesn't see those barriers the way that we see them. The kingdom of God is so weird. Okay, can I just say that? It doesn't make sense. Sometimes in the kingdom of God, we think, there's, think these things are going to happen this way, and they never do. And then there's things that we would never imagine, and that's what God decides to do. It's so stinking weird how it all works. I, it boggles my mind. I think about the leaders in the kingdom of God. Who are the people that lead in God's kingdom? Is it the mighty and the powerful? Very rarely. You know, if I had to guess, who are the people that are leading the kingdom of God? I would say probably young people. I mean, Isaiah says a little child will lead them. It, it may be old people too, I don't know. Poor people, probably, yeah. Maybe foreign people. The kingdom of God is not ethnocentric. You know that the, um, I was in Mexico last week, the church in the United States of America has been in decline for decades. Not dramatically, but just a gradual decline. A uh, church in Latin America is on the exact opposite trajectory. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. Just saying. Uh, you know, in, in the kingdom of God, it's better to serve than be served. In the kingdom of God, it's better to give than receive. In the kingdom of God, it's more important to be faithful than effective. It's, it's completely the opposite of everything that we think the way things should be in the world around us. It's so weird. People in the kingdom of God actually believe that self-sacrificial acts of love can change the world. People believe in power under rather than power over. Do you know that the kingdom of God is so screwed up that people actually pray for their enemies instead of retaliate against them. That's how backwards it really is. It really, it really is an upside-down kingdom to everything that we think uh, in, in, in worldly thinking. The kingdom of God, <coughs> as was mentioned this morning, the king was born in a barn. <coughs> he was born in a stinky barn. And yes, it was stinky. Have you ever been in a barn that wasn't stinky? No. King was born in a barn to an uneducated, poor, little country girl from a backwater town. And that's how it happened. Because in God's kingdom, that's who the heroes are. It's not Spider-Man and Batman and Thor and Wonder Woman. It's People like Mary that have nothing distinct or unique about them except the presence of God on their lives. That's, that's how turned around this kingdom is. I want to make... Uh, is that right? We're doing so good time today? I love it when that happens. Two, two points of uh, application to this. Go to the next slide. First, in God's kingdom, nobody is a nobody. Amen? Amen. Nobody is a nobody. In a kingdom where Mary can be chosen to fulfill the most important role in history, there are no nobodies. There are no nobodies in the kingdom of God. There's no outsiders. In, in a world that's divided up by 
Nobodies and somebodies, outsiders and insiders, uh, the gifted and the not gifted, the haves and the have-nots, the rich and the poor, you know, the beautiful people and the not-so-beautiful people, uh, the Kardashians and the whatever you are if you're not a Kardashian. There's so many of them. I don't understand. They multiply. They're just, And I think they're trying to marry the entire NBA. I don't know. Um, the kingdom of God, nobody is a nobody. Here's, you know what? This is what made Mary exceptional, is God called her. That's what made Mary exceptional. God called her. Because you know what? It's not about Mary. It's about what God can and will do in our lives when we say yes. Here I am. I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's what it's about. And that's that's what Mary did that made her exceptional. Yes, God. John Wimber said everybody gets to play. And he was really touching on this reality right here. In the kingdom of God, nobody is a nobody. Everybody has an opportunity to make a valid contribution. Everybody has the ability to give something of importance. I'm reading a book right now about work, really. uh, But there's an interesting study in there. They, they, They did a survey of poor people. They said, what one thing would you want if you could have anything? And you think, well, I want a house or I want enough money to take care of my family, whatever. And then, you know what they said? The answer was almost across the board was uh, entrepreneurism. I, I want to be able to have a business so I can generate money and do things. I, you know, They want to make a contribution. I want to be, I w- I be able to do something of value to the world, in the world around me. In the kingdom of God, we all have the opportunity to make that contribution. Every single person, it doesn't matter who you are, you are never a nobody. Next slide. Second point, last point, is in God's kingdom, all the worldly distinctions are erased. Uh, This is so important. A pattern of this world excludes people. It's it's exclusive. We, We judge and we categorize and we divide and we stereotype. And we, we sort of just, you know, break people down into groups. Go ahead and, and go to the next slide, Thomas. In Romans 12, Paul says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is such an interesting little verse there. Don't be conformed. Conform just means to fit in. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. But instead, be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. Or in the vernacular, we could say, change your stinking thinking. All right? I want to challenge you. Okay, here's the challenge today. Look, let's, can we be honest for a minute? We all do that in our head. We all make those distinctions and those judgments and those stereotypes. We don't say those things out loud because we're Christians and that wouldn't be nice. But we think them. And the next time you catch yourself thinking, oh, that guy's such a jerk. What a moron. What a loser. Any of those kinds of things. I would welcome you to invite Jesus into the conversation. And just say, hey, Jesus, what do you think about that guy? That guy? I love that guy. 
He's one of my favorites. Next time you catch yourself stereotyping somebody, judging somebody, making those kinds of assessments, just say, hey, Jesus, what do you think about that? That'll mess with your head. It really will. But that's what Paul is saying to be transformed by the ruining of our mind. We don't follow the pattern of this world. We don't make those distinctions. We think as Jesus thinks, and we see those people as beloved. We see those people as valuable. We see those people as having worth and making a contribution. We see them as He sees them. In the uh, first sermon ever in the Christian era at Pentecost, Peter stood up. And he said, in these last days, I'm going to pour my spirit out on who? Anybody remember? All people. Who does that leave out? No one. All people. On Jews and Gentiles. On, on young and old. Poor and rich. Slave and free. Natives and immigrants. I'm going to pour my spirit out on all mankind. He said, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. What? No, no, no. Only men can speak in church. Somebody better tell the Holy Spirit. Worldly distinctions in the kingdom of God are gone. You guys want to come on up? Um, Here's the thing. I don't care, you know, who you are, what you do, what your job is. I don't care uh, your credentials, your education, your background, your history. Uh, You can be a doctor, lawyer, potato farmer, garbage man, professional dog walker. I think that would be a cool job, actually. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, God's Spirit is on you, and He's given you an opportunity to make a contribution all people are valuable and unique and special to Him. And, and, and here's the kind of end game today, I think, is that we need to begin to see each other that way. First of all, we need to receive that in our own lives and say, you know what, I, I am. I'm called of God. His Spirit is on me. I, I can make a contribution. I'm, I'm beloved of God. I'm valuable to Him. I'm of inestimable value to Him. And then we need to extend that out to those around us and be able to say, you too are that person. You are of inestimable value to God. You too are special and unique. You too have a contribution to make. You have a gift. You have something that's so important in the kingdom of God that nobody else can bring what you bring. Amen.